Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pat's Chat. Today I'm with uh, Pui Moon. Uh, she's the CEO, uh, co-founder of Speedbrick Solutions, a real prop tech company. Speedbricks helps uh, contractors to go digital with uh, easy-to-use software. Very exciting to talking with you, uh, and thank you very much for your time and uh, joining me today, uh, Puymon. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Patrick. Thanks. <laughs> okay, I'm really looking forward to that topic, how uh, you help um, the construction industry going digital. Uh, well, first of all, I, of course, want to learn a little bit more about yourself. Um, you're Malaysian. I know that. Um, but tell me, what is your background? Where, where are you coming from? Where did you grow up? Um, I grew up in Malaysia, uh, in, a, in a small town called Kuala Lumpur. Uh, it's the capital of Malaysia. <laughs> And um, I studied law uh, during my uni time. Uh, and then I, I went into UK and completed my law degree and I also have a master's degree in law. Uh, then I came back to Malaysia uh, and I also hold a practicing certificate, uh, which I can it means that I can practice as a lawyer in Malaysia. And I'm currently an adjudicator and uh, an arbitrator as well. So I focus very heavily uh, in construction law aspect. So... Yeah. Okay. Well, was that like your idea from the very beginning? Um, I know your your father has a or had a, a construction company, but was that like from the very beginning clear? Like you will do something with construction, but move into law first, or what was like the process you went through? I think law has always been my dream. Like since I was a kid, um, I I love to debate. And I, I, I love to ask the question, why? Why can't I do this? You know, what's my right? That's my right. And, and I think what hit me the most it was when my uncle passed away at a very young age. My uncle passed away at, at his early 40s. And then there were a lot of issues with uh, his estate. He left, uh, he left with four kids. So that struck me that uh, law is important uh, because we actually need to know what's our right. And with this knowledge, because most of the time, during that time, none of us have any knowledge about what to do with you know, the estates. And, and because he did not live with Will, so everything was, was quite a mess. And he left, he left um, the wife with a company as well. So that actually struck me that I want to study law uh, because of the knowledge. And, and I really enjoy the legal knowledge that, that I'm able to gather so far. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, that's mm -hmm. nice. I have a, a question. I had like two or three like guests also on my show. Uh, show they studied law and they all went uh, abroad to to study it. I mean, how uh, for me a bit difficult to understand. You want to study uh, law, right? And uh, but it's applicable for Malaysian or, or or in Malaysia. That's quite different from like the law studies in in UK, for example. Um, can Can you explain me like why why would you study law abroad um, when you would like um, and practice here back in Malaysia? Oh, okay. It also depends on your affordability, uh, on your family's affordability. If you can, uh, most of us, when, if we can afford, we will choose to uh, be educated in UK. Um, Malaysia is a Commonwealth country. So we are all have this legal system called the common law system. So uh, uh, England, uh, UK, they also uses uh, the common law. So everything that we studied, um, there is applicable in Malaysia. By the way, when we say we study law, it doesn't mean that we are learning the law. Well, it's, it's part of it, but we don't learn everything because um, we, we basically have the skill of how to find answers to a certain uh, aspect. 
And for myself, I I was I came from a very poor family when I was I was a kid. I literally forced my parents to buy me an ticket to study in UK. So that was my story. Um, when I was uh, finishing my uh, high school in Malaysia, I have a choice of whether I want to study in a local universities or abroad. So if I want to go to abroad, I have to do a transfer program because I don't have enough fund to go for all full, full three years in, in UK. So I opt to, I then study in a university called uh, Help, Help College. During that time, it was a college. Now it's a university. Uh, they have this two plus one program where you can study two years in Malaysia and then you can study one year abroad and then you get a certificate uh, which is recognized as a abroad yeah. uh, certificate. Yeah. Okay. So I almost didn't manage to go to UK because during that time, my family was, they literally couldn't have enough fun. So, um, but when I finished my two years uh, in, in my college, I managed to enter into the University of Liverpool. Only 10 of us in the entire college uh, managed to go enter. Wow. Yeah, it, I, I think it was luck <laughs> because my, my English sucks and you know my result is okay. <laughs> so they, my mom gave me like uh, 200 pounds when I fly. Um, um, they paid for my etiquettes. That time it was eight Asia thousand. It was thousand two hundred. Uh, one one way. I still remember the price. Uh, after that, I made one phone call to my home. 30, 30 seconds phone call, and then I work in UK as well. So to sustain my living costs, I have to work. Uh, there. Um, so that I don't really uh capture. I don't really need my parents to fund my living fees in UK. So that mm, was the story. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, okay, that's that's interesting to hear. Really, um, I uh, thanks for explaining. Also, like, what is the connection? How that makes sense? Of course. Um, so after the studies, yeah, you did your masters in uh, international commercial law. Uh, you you came back to to Malaysia and started practicing uh, here, right? Um, what was that like? I mean, um, your first jobs being a lawyer. Um, can you uh, explain a little bit more? Like, was was that really? You you said like you liked law, right? You you want to be that, but something still triggered something that like okay, you thought maybe can still change something in your life, right? What what was that, or what what was like the the thing that you said like okay, just practicing law is not not the only thing that you want to do in your life. Not, not, not really that way. I, I didn't even mm -hmm. want to come back to Malaysia. <laughs> I was being offered a job okay. in the UK. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> and there's this one day, my parents decided to give me a phone call. Mm -hmm. So that phone call changed my life. Uh, basically, my dad is saying that uh, he needs some help back in Malaysia to run his business. And, that. and you know, me being the eldest in the family, um, mm -hmm. I have two younger brothers, but my brothers are 11 years apart. And eight years apart, so they are quite young. My um, uh, so, and, and of course, uh, that during that point in life, um, I was facing quarter life crisis. Whether I stay in UK, have a good life, or I come back and being close with my family. And the thing with being a female is that we are very emotional. 
<laughs> we are very sentimental. So we choose to come back. I choose to come back. No regrets, but mm-hmm. um, I always wonder what life would be like if I stayed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then part of me, I always but wonder. But I, but I enjoy my life right now, so it's okay. Um, so I came back to Malaysia, and of course, I definitely need to get my practicing certificate. Uh, it, it allows me to be a lawyer. Um, then I uh, went to do my presentation in Three and Co. is uh, is is one of the very reputable firm in Malaysia. Um, then I was being offered to stay with the firm uh, numerous times by the founder, Mister Chui. Um, then the question is whether I want to go back to my dad's office to take a look what's going on, or do I want to continue to practice as a lawyer? So that was another decision that I have to make. Um, mm-hmm. In the first three years of my life in my working in my dad's company, I hated it. I constantly tell myself I should have just you know stayed in in trees, just continue mm-hmm. to practice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think. The love of constructions actually happens only come in when I am working full time in construction sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what my dad did was my first day of work uh, in my dad's company. He gave me uh, um, close to fifty pages of uh, construction drawings in an A one size paper, a pen. So it was a pencil and a ruler. So he literally said, "Oh, this is your project." Uh, it's it's piling stage right now. Uh, you are going to handle it full time. Uh, I don't. I will be out of the picture. So he did not give me any background facts. He just said, "This is your site, and this <laughs> wow. is the." Yeah. <laughs> he threw you into the thing, huh? <laughs> First day at site, I got conned by Indonesian workers. That's where you start to get your experience in construction, right? Yes, yes, yes. That that was the the part where I am. Uh, it was quite funny where I was being conned, um, and then I realized I really, really need to uh, be able to understand the construction more. Uh, so, of course, I as a lawyer, I start off as um, reading the building by law. So everything is start from law. So. Uh, why do you need to have a everything is specified like like your your road how do you build your road your drain how wide how deep everything is specified like if you fire your sprinkler system is all specified how many meters you need so to me that is just uh, another study of law so yeah so I spent a lot of time there but because my dad is a contractor so since I was a kid I grew up in his firm mm-hmm. so understanding how construction okay so okay. that that actually helped. Yeah, that that's interesting. I mean, if you go with the general bias, like it, it's not like usual to see uh, uh, girls or ladies in the construction or construction sites, right? Um, but but for you, it's even more interesting. Like um, that process of obviously ended or or like guided you through like um, not only going to construction but also to become like a prop tech or like going into tech, right? And combine these two things. So I, I assume uh, that like these issues that you were facing um, that you could solve potentially with, with, with law or from a legal perspective, right? You wanted to solve like from a tech perspective, like like helping um, your own company or other companies not, not, um, not to get into this situation, right? 
so so I what was like all... really the the point where he said like oh we need to do something to to solve this this big issue i think it was when i actually worked in uh, construction sites um uh it was really really messy um the trigger point was i was handling this midnight project so we uh it was a infrastructure work where we have to build a sewerage pipe so it was a midnight job because we only managed to get a DBKL's license midnight. So where you have to close part of the road and then you build, um, you excavate and then you backfill at the same day. That During that period of my life, right, I have to make sure that material is delivered at the road shoulder for my everyday's job. If I don't have enough material delivered to my road shoulder on this particular day, we will be in trouble. So what we do is that we have to move because uh, road shoulder, in order for you to put material on road shoulder, you need to have permit. During that time, CIDB did not, um, DBKL did not give up the, the, the permit. So what happened is we have to carry material out from uh, construction uh, sites, uh, project sites, and put it outside to the road shoulder. So that activity, um, actually need, I as a project man, uh, coordinator of that time, I need to make sure that we have sufficient material every day. And the, the, the issue is that I do not know how much I have ordered um, because when I'm working at site, I don't have uh, information. I can't see. Uh, the information is in my office where it's in the laptop. Um, mm. um, my, so, or most of the time, it's with my purchase. On, on paper, so yeah. Go, or not even with you, yeah. Back, yeah, to, to ask uh, um, how much, uh, I know how much I ordered, but how much has been delivered, I, I wouldn't mm. know. Yeah, and then what was delivered yesterday, and whether my supply is coming tomorrow, I I have to make sure. Mm. So it was really tough because um I work until six o'clock in the morning, I go back and take a shower, and, and by eight o'clock I need to be sure that I'm in the office to make sure that my suppliers de- deliver the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because it was road, uh, it was very dangerous because uh the road that we are working on um um. It's it's uh it's it's linked to Jan Duta, so uh near to the High Court of Malaysia right now. So mm-hmm. when we close part of the road, we need to make sure everything's are in order. I understand, um, yeah. Then um, I think because of the experience, I have written sixty nine pages, sixty seven pages of my proposal to tell my dad's um, company's board of directors that we need to digitize. It, it doesn't work. <laughs> and they flipped through the proposal and they threw it away. <laughs> yeah. okay. They were like, who are you to tell me how to run my business? Mm. Yeah. I have been doing this for the past 20 years. I'm making money. So so what what is tech, tech, tech? But to be fair to them, during that time, WhatsApp was still an option. Mm. I have my the company directors that says don't whatsapp me I don't believe uh, in whatsapp if you want to reach me you call me <laughs> and now he's a big fan of whatsapp <laughs> so still go kind of digital right but I, I understand like the the challenge um, of most of these industries right and uh, like construction manufacturing right and uh, you have this very uh, successful business plan right they did the business successfully for 30 years, right? All on paper based uh, with the phones, right? So, so why, why to, why to change it, right? We come, we come back to that in a moment. So uh, let, let's, uh, so we, we figured out like the starts of 
of uh, Speed Break, that, that app, and we can see it in your background also. I, I like that, by the way. Um, and one more interesting uh, factor here in the founding of the, the company was that you uh, you were looking for a tech guy, right? Um, that, that was missing part. Um, I, I heard the story on um, uh, BFM, I think. That's where I get it from. Um, so so uh, his name is uh, Loy, uh, Loy Fern, if I uh, pronounce that correctly. Uh, and you met him uh, via Facebook. So you were looking for a tech co-founder and you found him in Facebook. I, I think that's quite interesting, but maybe you can like give us a more more uh, informational background on, on how that really happened or what was your motivation to find someone on on well on Facebook to to take over that role. I think I know what I want and I actually in my proposal I detailed out each and every page of my app, what my app will looks like. Then I started looking for tech people. And of course, during that time, I don't have any fund. Uh, the company obviously are not funding it. So I was looking for... Uh, to, to me, it's like every day if I wake, I, I wake up, I still think that my idea is good, then I should do something about it so that I've got no regrets. Then I then posted on Facebook uh, to look for a tech person. So during that time, I met up with more than 60 or 70, um, quite quite a number of tech guys. Uh, that each meeting teach me, uh, taught me a little bit about what I am looking for. Um, in the end, uh, I met, uh, Louis texted me. It was very formal. I, I, I look back at our, our, our conversation, it was very formal. So it was like, dear... Uh, she sent me a message, dear Puyman, I am interested. And then I was like, dear Louis. <laughs> so it was so formal. Then we had a first meeting. The first meeting, uh, he gave me a very good impressions uh, because he was the only one that tell me my idea sucks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, really. So many tech guy I met. Uh -huh. He was the only one that tells me uh, what I want uh, is a dream. Um, because I wanted... A to Z. It's like end-to-end -end solutions. It's just mm -hmm. like what my clients want. I want everything. Mm -hmm. And then uh, to him is that uh, there are a lot of constraints because whatever I, I prepared is very high level. Mm -hmm. The level is, is in the details. So we then work backwards. What is the most impactful um, solutions needed in the construction industry? Then mm -hmm. because Louis himself, he's very smart. He has an IQ of 158. He is like the smartest in the room. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's super smart, like, and very high IQ. And he literally understand uh, when I explain constructions to him. Mm -hmm. uh, most type person, they don't get it. They don't, don't understand. They were like, uh, what is wrong with, with uh, constructions? It, you know, you need an app. Then I just build an app. But... Uh -huh. Yeah. It's, it's not an app that, that is important. It's more on um, what is inside the application. Yeah, yeah. What, what, what uh, specific problem you're solving for the guy who should use it in the end, right? Else they will just not use it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we, we first met in a, uh, in a cafe called Kaffa. Uh, we named our project uh, during that time, we called it Project Kaffa. And the funny part was the cafe was no longer there. <laughs> we are still here. <laughs> yeah. So so it was quite fun uh, meeting him. 
Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So that was around 2015, if I'm not wrong, right? It's uh, six years ago. So the, the project or the product in the meantime is six uh, years old. What is impressive, as you just mentioned, it is like uh, fully self-funded. So you started with your own funds or like your time mostly, I would say. Uh, the two of you, you, you developed that app that is really... Uh, uh, well, the leading uh, construction app, let's say, in, in Malaysia. Um, you also mentioned like, um, okay, you start with the supply chain. That solved the problem that you mentioned earlier, right? But how did you like really bring the people in, right? I mean, as, as we discussed also before, right? It's like, uh, let's say the, the, the construction uh, or construction, maybe a bit stubborn, right? They did it like in paper, like all these years. How could you really convince them to use the app, go digital? How, how, how did it help them? I think when we design the applications, the starting point of me doing this is not really to uh, make money. Um, it, it is really to solve a problem. Then the question uh, is, what problems are we solving? What is the most important problems to solve in the construction industry? Um, I did a lot of research um, and I found out that there are many apps. You have project management applications. Uh, but when it comes to uh, buying material, we contractors, we spend 70% of our, our project value buying material. And almost 100% of the time, that's going to be over budget uh, in the material sector. Mm, okay. Um, because material management is very complex. There is a, I did a research where my finding was there were 136 reasons for you to waste money. And yeah, okay. yeah 136 <laughs> that's, to waste, waste money enough, yeah. for <laughs> construction projects. And there are a lot of solutions that handling 70% uh, of the problems. Uh, mm -hmm. But this uh, material management problem right, is not solved globally. You don't have a, a, an app that literally focuses on solving supply chain issues. You, you can't find it anywhere else, not, not just in Malaysia, but in the entire world. So once we figure out, then the question is why? The issue with supply chain is that there are too many stakeholders involved. Um, if you want to have changes, right, you have... You look at supplier and then your uh, people be above you, which is consultant, which they approve the equipment list. And then of course, uh, you yourself uh, as a contractor. Inside constructions company, right? You have your own subcontractors. You have your project manager. You have your foreman. You have your purchaser. You have your QS. So of course, you have your accounting departments as well. So all these stakeholders, right? They make decisions um, differently. So there are a lot of silo between uh, mm, departments yeah. in the profession. Mm -hmm. So um, most of the time, mistakes happens because of uh, miscommunications. Uh, either you are looking at the wrong drawing, or you already order the material, you forget, and then you buy again, or you buy the wrong spec, or when you buy the material, you don't you don't look at the budget. So we realize it's important to uh, bring information in front of people when they make decisions. So in Speed Break, how we design it is that everyone in a construction company see us differently. It's personalized. For instance, if you are working at site, we will tell you when you order the material, we will tell you whether it's within or exceeded the budget and what spec are you ordering. So we only give you the important information. We don't give you more. So I think that is 
a slightly different um, between us and other solutions. Mm-hmm. So basically focus on the core information, right? Um, as there's too many information that's overwhelming. And as you say, then you forget or you double order things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I have another question that goes into the same, like, um, or like, let me rephrase that from before. Um, like you were asked many times, right? Why, why contractors, constructors, contractors, sorry, <laughs> don't go digital. And the main answer of that was like the, the fear of failure, right? Um, uh, can you elaborate on that one? What do you mean by that? Or what, what con- contractors mean by that? And how like you convince them that like, uh, you can take away that fear, like if you're using like really the app, they can only gain in the end. Of course, the major, every contractors know that, especially now, they need to go digital. The question is how. And the next question, followed by how, is what. <laughs> because when you are looking to go digital, you are spending money. How can you guarantee me that uh, as a solution provider, I will get good return of investment? So, and the major fear, and it's based on their actual experience. Um, I have a lot of clients that have spent millions on buying software that end up collecting dust. So mm. it's sitting on a shelf. With that uh, experience of failure, it will be more difficult for them to go digital. Because to them is, you as a solution provider, you can stay as much as you like. But I don't have confidence in buying your software because I don't. To them, it's rubbish, rubbish in, rubbish out. If my software that I invest in, my people are not using, then the software is redundant. And we have to educate them. Of course, that is a fact because most software is is a data entry software. Um, Meaning if you put in data into a software, then you can see result. But Speedbrick, we are slightly different. We are a... We are a software that help each and everyone in a company to do work. It's not data entry. For instance, if you want to order material, you you don't data entry into the system uh, that you already ordered, but you use the system to do your work, which is faster than WhatsApp. We are being uh, described by our client as we are one touch system. But if you want to buy material, you use the system to buy material. Literally. Mm. So you use the system to do work and the system yep. will collect the data and then churn out, uh, automatically churn out uh, reports for you. Okay. That's, that's so come back to contractors, when they are having fears, right, we have a few tips for them. Most of the time, uh, the decision makers, meaning the, peop- the, the directors who pay for the app, they don't understand their own employees. They are paying for a dream software. But mm, when you are it. buying a software, when you're buying your software, the, we always say you must buy a software that your people will use. Mm. Otherwise, it's a waste of money. So, yes. yeah. um, we give our client three tips or prospect three tips. Uh, tip number one is, first thing, identify which area you want to, which area costs you the most money. Uh, most of the time, it's the supply chain management area and also the subcon- subcontractor management. Um, any other problems you have in your company can wait. Don't digitize everything. I have a client that I want to digitize my HR, I want to digitize my asset, I want to digitize my, my warehouse. No, you have to spread it out because change is very difficult. So 
first tips is identify the area you want to digitize. Uh, and then second is look for solutions that your staff will use because it's not about you. It's about your staff using the solutions for you to get good results. Don't buy a software that you like. Buy a software that your staff will use so that you can get good results. And third thing, uh, of course, the solutions that you choose must be able to give you a good report, uh, give you good information without uh, data entry. That is our tips. Uh, that's our education to the market as well. Yeah, okay. Very smart. I understand that. That's great. Thanks. Thanks a lot for sharing that. Um, also quickly, like obviously your charging model seems to be a little bit different. Uh, maybe you can yeah. quickly share that, how, how you are charging uh, with your app to the customer. We don't charge, um, many software they charge uh, based on per user basis. Um, uh, in Speedbrake, we don't believe in per user license uh, because we believe that when we build a software, it needs to be used by everyone in the company. So how we charge is we charge, uh, we have two fees. Uh, one is a, a monthly subscription module where you, you pay according to how many um, projects based on your project value. So it's tier basis. So the bigger you are, the more you pay because the value that you get is more. The smaller you are, you will pay a slightly lesser so that the value you get is also sufficient for your company. So in when you grow, uh, the package will also grow. So it's tier based. Uh, nice. Uh, uh, sufficient fee. Yeah. Uh, and then we also have another pricing. We call it um, uh, onboarding uh, implementation charges where it's a one-time fee. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a lump sum where we charge our client uh, in, in helping them to, to train them. Our implementation fee uh, is for six months. Uh, it's basically during these six months, we will monitor the usage. Step one is uh, there is a data cleaning, data migrations. And then we train you according to what position you are. For instance, if you are site, you get site training. If you are directors, you get directors training. After you go live, uh, our implementation part, this is the fun part, is after your system go live, we monitor your usage for six months, um, during which we will do before and after using. So you get uh, to see uh, return on investment. Uh, we do the calculations for you where before using Speedbrick, uh, this is where you are. After using Speedbrick, this is where you are and these are the benefits that you get. So some mm -hmm. of our clients will see 6% improvement of productivity. We, we measure and show it to you. Nice. If there's no improvement, we will take back the solutions. <laughs> that means the solution is not for you. We'll take okay, back interesting. So uh, no, uh, almost risk free, uh, risk free for for the customer. If you want to say that, yes. right? Yeah. Okay. We awesome. are very confident because we we are very confident because we have uh, tested mm. and proven, um, yeah. and everyone in the company is using. And sure. um, we have statistics to show that if you invest in Speedbreak every day your people will use the solutions, even on Sunday. Even <laughs> on Sunday. Okay. <laughs> I have, I have a, a question like, uh, we can quickly discuss on this one. Um, how, how, was, how was it during COVID? I mean, did that more help your company or the, or the software like to, to push it, to sell it? Because now like uh, uh, construction like figured out, oh, now it is really the time to go digital? COVID is a very interesting time where we thought we are going to be screwed because construction industry halt. <laughs> yeah, the entire construction correct, industry right? halt. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, you know, it, it was a very difficult time. 
So during COVID, instead of you know for um selling the product, we we give value to the industry. So what I did was I written a book together with my friends, uh, about business continuity, and then we give it out for free to all our clients and prospect, and assisting them to get back um on their feet. And we also partners with a COVID test a company where we help to open up construction site within seventy two hours. To help them quickly uh, do all the COVID tests and then quickly uh, fulfill the SOP, like you know, you need a temperature scan and then uh, a writing of a, a record of the temperature as well. So that was during the COVID period. Then uh, in the same time, Speed Break also take these very good opportunities to uh, write more applications. So we actually launched. Uh, um, our latest product uh, during COVID, uh, it was a subcontractors management app, where we allow uh, contractors to monitor all their subcon in one platform, and which they can also issue set off uh, and back charges to all their subcon in one platform. So, and then we also launch our financial dashboard, where now directors with one glance they can see how much money they collected from their client, and how much money they spend on uh, material, uh, labor and also um, subcontractors. So, so COVID time is fun. And interesting things happen. We thought we are not going to have any clients during COVID. <laughs> and then, but in fact, our company grew uh, almost 100% uh, during that period. Wow, so that's impressive. So, we actually yeah. uh, positive cash flow uh, end of December last year. <laughs> wow, awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, congratulations. Uh, also on the new features that you just mentioned, I'm sure you will be even more successful uh, in the future. That's really great. Um, what, what is, um, uh, to finish that, what is the next uh, big thing we can hear from uh, Speedbrick? What is upcoming projects? What are you working on right now? Speedbrick right now, we have, uh, we have six, we entered into, last month, we entered into six um, partners, uh, MOU signing with uh, different partners. Uh, two of those are worth mentioning. One is the government, uh, the National Malaysian National Call Center, where the government is going to give us the entire cost data of uh, Malaysian construction industry. So we will be oh. having... Mm. Uh, the entire Malaysian's uh, material price data, labor rate, and machinery rate. And then uh, upcoming, we are going to use... Um, what we are designing right now is we are designing uh, in-house uh, pricing control mechanisms for our clients, where our clients would be able to see, based on their uh, company data, the price trend for the past uh, three months, who they purchase the material from, what other price they buy, is there an increase of price or decrease of price so they can have a in their in-house price uh, control. Wow. And okay. with government data coming in, we also would be able to allow them to compare it with uh, government data as well. Hmm. Uh, that, that is the upcoming. And of course, uh, we are also launching a Singapore, Singapore office, we're opening a Singapore office uh, this wow. year. Okay. Uh, That's great. And we are to work with uh, local universities um, to uh, bring bring more values to the industry. Uh, right now, we focus very heavily on um, solving uh, problems for our clients. So, building more uh, to help our clients. Um, upcoming things is that we will uh, make it even more powerful on uh, uh, data processing. So, for instance, uh, what we are working right now is that we can actually tell, we can actually predict um, your cash flow for the next three months. 
we can really predict, do, do that kind of predictions um, and yeah, give more value to our clients, I guess. Sure. Awesome. Okay, great. Uh, thank you very so much, um, uh, for sharing uh, your your knowledge, your experience, your story uh, from a lawyer to a prop tech entrepreneur or prop techpreneur, how we call it. Um, uh, awesome story. Thank you very much for sharing. Um, and as I said, I uh, really hope uh, and wish you uh, all the best and, and a lot of success with uh, Speed Break to come. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me today. It's, 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 I had fun. I had fun. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. And uh, thanks to the audience for uh, watching and uh, listening to this episode. I hope you liked it. And then I see you next week for another episode of Pat's Chat. Thanks and have a great day.